Blog Talk Radio.
Hello, everybody. Sorry about the delay, but things happen, lives happen. I want to welcome you all to Beyond the Gate Radio this Monday, October 10th, 2011, or 10-10-1-1, which is very interesting. I am your host, David Baker. Uh, tonight, my co-host is the usual angel, Sherelle. Good evening, Sherelle. How are you tonight? I'm doing great. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, great to be here. It certainly is. Well, the awesome guest we have tonight. Yesterday, we were supposed to have Ursula Kalin on, but we got Emma Hogan instead, <coughs> which made it a perfect show. So tomorrow, I'm having another show that I usually don't have. It'll be at 6 o'clock tomorrow as well with uh, Ursula Kalin, paranormal investigator, medium, and uh, founder of the Chicago Research Institute. And on the 30th, will be my next show after that, the last one of the month, our Halloween special. And we'll have Sandra Wells, author of Beyond Life, The Ghost Chronicles. Tonight, though, we have an extra special guest that we've all been anticipating for a long time. I'm going to just tell you a little bit about him. I needn't say much because thousands of people have listened to him all over the world. He's been all over. And his name is Jeffrey Faulkner. And he is a visionary channeler and public speaker on spirituality. His visions up to 2018, the consciousness shift, and UFOs, ETs. He is also an uh, ET contactee. It's all connected to who he is. And he also is a uh, near-death survivor two times. And uh, one of them was by impalement, and the other one was by drowning in the Navy. And for some reason, I felt that I may have read this story before. Anyway, he says he was gone for 12 minutes and came back with a clear understanding of life and home. He says he remembers it all. I have two books. He has two books coming out this fall, so please uh, watch his website and his Facebook page for those date releases. And on the radio show page here on this bio underneath, I have his uh, website and contact information posted there. And in 1999, he had an epiphany at home in the middle of the day, and he was filled with intense love and vision of Christ and the future. His predictions based on this epiphany have all proven out. He was also shown our journey through 2012 and beyond to 2018. Seven years ago, he began channeling an extraterrestrial being, and his information also bears it out. It is greatly reflective of Jesus' information. What he has learned, he says, is that we are, it's all connected, the good and the bad, all under God's watchful eye. If you would like to book him or speak to him, uh, speak at any conventions anywhere globally, Please contact him directly because he has no agents or representatives of any kind. Jesus is a message that he shares along with ET contact information of our changing times and world is resonating, is really resonating. And so please do contact him. Take a look at the links at the bottom of the information on the page 
or go to uh, davidbakerspiritmedium.com on my Beyond the Gate radio, and all this information is posted there. So without further ado, we're going to bring in Mr. Jeffrey Faulkner. Hi, David. How are you? I'm awesome. How are you doing tonight? Good, thank you. Hi, Jeffrey. Hi, how are you doing? Doing great. We are so glad to have you on the show tonight. Um, despite a few technical difficulties, thank you so much for being here. Well, I'm enjoying that. I've been looking forward to it. Actually, this is pretty good. A slight delay. Uh, usually uh, on, my, on my interviews, there's so much static and, and uh, you know, disconnection and stuff that we can't even hear me half the time. So uh, it's nice and clear so far. Yes, we have a good connection here. And, you know, you never know what causes that static but sometimes things happen you know as a spiritual medium i have these things happen all the time i tell people you know i have a couple of shows and things happen on the show then for a couple of months it's fine then it doesn't it's not spread out it all happens at one time something happened yesterday but it worked out good something happened today and it worked out good so I know why it worked out good, because I see the positive, I look for it, and I don't give up, because I always see the best in everything. And just like you say, it's natural that there is a a yin-yang, good, bad, light, and dark. Don't you find that to be true, that that's natural? Yeah, you know, uh, everything works on that balance, David. As you know, nothing happens without the opposite to counter it. That's right. That makes a great deal of sense. Now, I wonder if you could tell listeners briefly about you had two near-death experiences. Could you tell us about at least one of them, one of them that was really made a difference in your life? Sure, David. Uh, the first one, I'll just do a quick one there, is uh, the first one was an impalement when I was four years old uh, on a fence through my groin into my chest. And uh, at that point, I was surrounded by doctors and nurses in white, and I separated from my body. And I was in no pain when I separated, even though my body was experiencing a lot of pain. The soul was disconnected. But the one that made the big difference in the NDEs was when I was 18 and I drowned in the Navy. It was a 12-minute treading uh, uh, water exercise in full gear, and I couldn't swim. But at 18, I wasn't going to tell anybody. And there were 40 of us in the diving pool, which is 30, I think 32 feet deep. And I went down the third time, and took a deep breath and uh, kept sinking, sinking. The more I fought to get up, it seemed like the same, faster I sank. But uh, there's that panic stage, you know, where you, your lungs are going to explode. And then, of course, all drowning victims have water in their lungs because you actually do breathe. You physically breathe underwater. Because, uh, you know, your brain says breathe, you're dead anyway. So you, you start to breathe water. <clears throat> there's no choking right. around because you've already run out of air, so there's no conflict. And uh, it's funny because when I started to breathe water, the first thing I thought was I relaxed. I went into total peace. And, and I thought, wow, I've I breathed water before. I've been in this environment. Now, I don't know if that's some kind of a past life or if it comes back from the womb, you know. But uh, uh, I just totally relaxed and, and everything was love and warm around me. And I sank and sank. And, and then when I got about three or four feet off the bottom, my soul separated out of my body. And I was looking down under the water level, but looking at my body, and I said, well, that's my body. I guess I'm finished with it now. There's absolutely no emotion affixed to it, uh, just like 
kind of parking a rental car and leaving. Uh, growing up, you know, I, I, was, I was always told that God could hear every prayer, which I found hard to believe. Like I also knew Santa couldn't be at every house. <coughs> but uh, what I experienced then was what I called the communal consciousness. Uh, I could hear the other 40, 40 guys on the surface, including the six uh, instructors, all yelling and talking. And But I knew everything that everyone was saying. It's like I connected into every thought. It was like everyone was an electrode hitting my board and everyone registered into a common bank. Uh, so that kind of helped a lot with understanding. And then I, I didn't go to a light. I didn't go down a tunnel. I was just suddenly in another place. And uh, <clears throat> it was light and it was warm and it was love and there was a being with me. And um, he showed me a lot. He showed me everything on the other side. Uh, and I say everything. I mean, I guess that comes from a total understanding of being home again. I knew that nothing could ever touch my soul. Your body is always at risk. I mean, that's part of being here. Uh, but the soul is untouchable. Uh, you know, that's why even when we do things in life and we ask for forgiveness, forgiveness is given. Uh, the karma may not be totally paid at the moment, but you can, you can be assured, assured that forgiveness is given. And uh, when you're on the other side, there are no questions. It's, it's a total understand. We understand everything when we're there. We actually are very perfect beings on the other side. And we come back to this, to these life experiences to live out uh, everyday things with no real base of, of our home knowledge. So we lose the, the height of our soul. The higher self is put on hold. Uh, you know, it's the veil that we talk about. And then uh, okay. everything that we, everything that we experience, it's, it's never an, it's never anything about the experience. And think of, of it as being in school. The experience that comes in front of you that you have to analyze and then respond to. That the whole experience is just a question. It's how you respond that is everything. That's about 20%. Do you understand the situation? It's like 20% of your marks. 80%, of course, is your answer. So. Anything that happens in our life, <clears throat> we have to go to our higher self. If we actually took the time to breathe and wait a few moments to go to our higher self before we responded, I'm sure we'd do a lot better. Instead, we go off the cuff to the emotion of the moment instead of going into the deeper place in the soul. Right. That makes a great deal of sense. And to back up some of the things you said, I, I was in the United States Marine Corps, and we had to jump in the water. I didn't know how to swim at that time either. Life did have a brief near-death experience. When I was in Hawaii, I was walking in a lagoon, and I didn't see. I I stepped in a big hole in the water, and I went under real quick. I started struggling, and just like you explained it, I uh, remember swallowing water, but it, it didn't bother me. Then I remember floating on my body and remembering all kinds of things. And uh, This was faster than yours. I, I got a light and some voices telling me, you know, I said, I got to go back, do this or that to the family and to relax and start swimming slowly. And I was back in my body. I swam slowly to the surface, coughed up water, did a backstroke. And it must have been a shock for about 45 minutes sitting there. I couldn't get up or anything. And I guess that's what it probably was. It's really weird. But I want to ask you a question. Did you have this story published somewhere maybe a couple of years ago? Because I could swear I remember reading your story somewhere. I, I don't know if it's been, I think it was published once and somebody picked it up uh, third hand down the line kind of thing. 
Uh, I did have it on a couple of my websites, my old websites that still may be floating around out there, but I know it was picked up and put out a couple of times on somebody else's blog or, or publication, yeah. Yes, I know I read your story some time ago, and that's why I was uh, really said, wow, I'm actually made contact with you and and then I when I read your your blog and your information there's there's a lot of amazing information so rather than wasting my time talking to you I want to ask you some questions. Um you know there's a lot of contactees in the world but there's not a lot known about them. Um I know like I know if it's different with you than it is it was like for George Damsky, which I'm sure it it is, or, or Whitney Strieber, or some of those people. But exactly, when was it that you first found out that you were, you know, communicating? I mean, was it after the new death experience? Was there another time that uh, additional communication started? Uh, with ET, you mean? Yes. Okay. Uh... Actually, I had the vision. We could talk about that a little bit later, but I had the vision in 99, and I was shown up to 2018. And it was a in the middle of the daytime message from Jesus. And I'm, I'm, I'm spiritual, but I'm not religious. You know, it, sure. uh, being a church right. to me, it, 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 right. I took a wrong turn somewhere. But, um, so, you know, I had that vision, and it took me to 2018, but uh, the only things that were shown were 2016. And so I, I was always missing that last two years. And I thought, well, maybe Jesus will bring that in a bit later. But then seven years ago, that question was answered for me. And this is why I say it's all one thing, is that because, uh, you know, as a medium yourself, I've always been able to channel. Uh, I usually do it in my sleep, a lot of it. And I, I hear it. I remember it. Uh, my wife has been recording my, my stuff for seven years now. I'm sure she needs to sleep. But... Uh, <laughs> uh, seven years ago, I started channeling, but it was in the middle of the day, and my wife was making cookies in the kitchen. I was sitting at the dining room table, and she noticed that I was acting a little out of sorts, which is kind of hard to spot sometimes, but uh, <clears throat> she noticed I was looking around like I didn't know where I was, and, and as I sat there, I felt I felt uh, a being come into me, which I don't always like, but it didn't feel bad or threatening, and it was like they were looking around our house through my eyes. And it's like I was looking, I was looking through their eyes through my eyes. If that makes any sense? Yes. And, uh, yes. Every yes, time that they would come around to uh, seeing a uh, angel statue, because we always had them, they would stop and make a note of that and kind of nod to themselves. And anyway, uh, it went on anyway that my wife started talking to this being, and uh, and uh, she gave him a. He was a little staggery at first, and and. Uh, she gave him a, a, a writing pad and a pen. Now, what he did was he drew a constellation. And this turns out this constellation is the Pleiades system. Uh, and then he introduced himself uh, by name. Now, he's from the Pleiades, but he calls himself Pleiades. I said, well, if you're from the Pleiades and you're Pleiades, that's kind of a play in words. He said, well, it's like you being in America, uh, you being from the Americas and calling yourself an American. So we just decided that that was it. So, uh, you know, it, it started coming in there and it just went on for seven years. We were advised not to share any of it with anyone. We never told anyone for seven years. We have an old journal. <laughs> then uh, in the spring, they came through and said, it's now time that you have to share with the world what 
that are my contact and, and what we're doing and this kind of a thing. Uh, the, they, over that seven years, they educated me. Uh, you know, there's a trust that was born out and, and, and proven over that time. Uh, but they educated me and my wife very, my wife and I myself very well about everything, including this, the, the, the universe, uh, space itself, how it, it, it's actually similar to us, similar to an ocean that a lot of the things that we see that come into the edge of our atmosphere that look like little wormy lights and things like this that don't really look like a spacecraft is, is because there's a lot of actual living beings that float around in the universe just like they do in the oceans here that are microbial or, or it looks like a little worm hanging in the water or things like that. And, and they go through space and they filter, you know, uh, nutrients from it. So, you know, it, it's been really interesting. We, we've really learned about about how it all exists. I was on last two weeks ago on a new, I was invited on a new site and I went in and there was a fellow there and he made a comment. The lady said, oh, I don't seem that, no, it wasn't, sorry. He, she said, a minute's not a minute anymore. I said, a minute never has been a minute. I said, it's always like reflecting as to what's going on in your life. Sometimes a minute is like 30 seconds. Sometimes it's like two and a half minutes. And this fellow came on from England from London and, and we got talking and I made he made a comment, I made another one. He said, Wow, that's that that's right. I hadn't thought about that. It turned out this person I was speaking to was a professor who's at a university in London, England, and he traveled, tra- um he studies um quantum quantum time uh, time jumps and, and uh, all this kind of stuff. So we got talking and he and he said, You really opened my eyes to a lot of things. He said, When did you study? I said I don't know anything about it. I said, but I'm an ET contact, and that's been explained to me. So he was really floored. So not only did I prove out what they've been telling me that way about quantum physics, but also uh, to the point that a man studied quantum physics, a professor in London for 30 years, had some new information come through. So uh, it's really been well proven, but uh, it's just my head is so full of so much stuff, David. <laughs> so you're pretty much... Uh, what what I would call like a trans channel, like um, would raise your vibrations and are are either overshadowed by another being uh, sharing the space with you, and then they're able to through you, you know, give you messages that you write down. Yeah, well, yeah. <coughs> My wife does that when they come in. I'm pretty well. I don't move. I just lay there, and sometimes it seems like twenty minutes to me, and I find out later it's been two hours. But, okay, uh, so you talk. Yeah, they they talk through me, and it's interesting because at first they come through, and you know that movie, uh, Signs with Mel Gibson? Uh, yes. They do the, the clicking sound? Yes. Well, that's really interesting they pick up on that because that's how they come through with me. And uh, some of my interviews have had, when they slowed down and backed up on the distortion, they can hear the clicking sound. Um, and uh, uh-huh. there's a tribe, a tribe in Africa called the San, I think, I believe it's S-A-N. Right. Tribe, they, and they, they, they call it the clicking tribe. Yeah, yeah. And they, they, their language is clicking. So these actually are, this is a tribe of uh, humans that are still using ET contact language. Uh, and that's amazing, you know. Uh, and then then when they come through with the clicking sound, then they go into, the, into another kind of like a bilateral, what I call a bilateral language, which is two-syllable. I call it two-syllable. Now, when they come through with that, they speak so fast and so quickly. You know, I mean, there's no way. I, I've even tried when I've been awake to try and duplicate it, just double-checking myself, you know. 
and I can't get anywhere near it. And the speed they go is unbelievable. And then they go into basically into English. But I've had probably seven ET <clears throat> uh, languages come through me. And we're going to actually start recording that pretty soon. And uh, hopefully they won't mind. And we'll get permission and start to record uh, the process. Because how, how, we've always just written it down. But um, they always come through when I'm in that semi, you know, you know, semi-half awake, half asleep kind of a thing. Sure, mm-hmm. that makes sense. Because okay. I, I suppose you're probably more receptive to it at that particular time anyway. <laughs> when the body's more relaxed, you're less resistant to anything like that may occur. Now, now there's – so let me clear this up. Are you – so you're making a connection from beings from the spiritual side and also from uh, extraterrestrial side, two types – now, is the other one still um, occurring, the uh, spiritual connection? Oh, yeah, that's constantly. Uh, uh, the, on the spiritual side, I, I you know, I've, I've been like you. I've, I've been at, at the start of it before I got into the uh, vision and everything else. Uh, you know, I was, I was, I guess, a psychic, you know, a medium reader. And at one point, I was at the height of my stuff in 2002 in London, England. I was, I was making $700 an hour, but... I don't really do that sort of thing that much anymore. I do the occasional things, and there's a couple of people that have asked me for readings. I do maybe about four a year. Uh, I try not to go to, to that too much, but I usually pick someone I believe that there's an important message for, and I'm led that way. Um, but uh, my my dealings right now, really, when I do connect very much, is uh, is basically with Jesus. You know, I had that vision in '99 which totally changed my life. That made everything else look like a day in Disneyland. Uh, my wife is extremely intuitive, and if I need to look at anything, I have her look for me, and she's always accurate. Um, the vision was the biggest thing, and, um, and, and that was in 99. And then I never had any real direct communication with Jesus, of course, you know, since then. But uh, about three weeks ago, uh, he came through to me again. And uh, this is the first time. And it was, he came, I was standing in the kitchen, talked to my wife, she's in the dining room, and I was in the middle of a sentence, you know, I mean, just talking about normal stuff. And I felt this energy come into me again the same way, just flooded me, and it just stops you talking. You just stop in your tracks. You just can't move, you can't speak. And then he came into me, and I could feel him, and I knew it from the last time. And uh, by the way, when he came in in 99, I knew then that's who it was that was with me when I drowned. And... Uh, uh, so anyway, when he came in, all of a sudden, it's like he was right up against me, came in from the back, and then on the left and right side and sort of around the front of it was two other beings, and it was my mother and my father who passed over. And it was like this beautiful thing, because I've been really exhausted with this, trying to kind of get it out there and try, try to make a few changes maybe if I can before the stuff happens. Uh, uh, but where they were hugging me, and my mother basically was just pouring love into me, uh, my father, being English, always called me lad, and he was saying, you're carrying too much, lad. Just let it go, let it go you, too much. There's other people out there doing stuff, and you got to let it go. And at the same time, it was like Jesus was telling me at the same time, just let it go. We know what you need, but you have to release. You can't make it happen. You have to release it so we can do it. It's kind of like we're asking them to take us somewhere, but we won't take our hands off the steering wheel. So that's, that's they that's came true. in, and that lasted I mean, I stood there, and, and my wife would tell you, because it's, it's so emotional. 
that I stood there and, and I just was shaken into sobs. I mean, when when they they finally filtered off, it was just uh, I was just emotionally like, wow, what a load has just been taken off me. And then about about a week later, my wife came in and I was at the kitchen doing some dishes there, and and she came in and said, what's wrong? And I said, well, nothing, you know. And I, because I'd have the same thing about a uh, half an hour before she got home, and I told her then, and I said, it's just the love, the the confirmation I'm doing the right things, but I need to, I need to really let go of things so that it can come to me. So that's twice now since 19, since 1999 in the last three weeks. We're on the verge of huge, huge, huge change. These are basically, anyone who's alive now, believe me, no matter how tough or how many problems, you're totally privileged because of all the souls that visit the earth, and I believe and I've seen uh, by my own experiences, David, uh, is that, uh, you know, is is that we we do multiple lives, you know, and people say, well, how do you share? You know, why why would we do that? And I said, well, we have a lot of opportunities to get things right, to learn the process, you know, and uh, I always ask them, how how are you doing for one lifetime? How are you doing? You know, you just can't do it in one lifetime. So um, of all the lifetimes that have gone on since man first walked this planet through the grace of God, is that this is what we've always read and heard about lifetime to lifetime to lifetime. These are, you know, I hate the term end time. Uh, if you want to call it end time, it's the end all the time. Um, the earth is tired. We're
Thank you, Jesus. And <laughs> that's a good thing to say. <laughs> yeah. Okay, everybody. Let us know if you can hear us. We are back in technical difficulties. And I won't say it's from outer space. It's probably from here somewhere. Interrupted the show, but we are back. So if you're in the chat room and you can hear us now, let us know. Okay. Uh, yeah, good, good. Somebody's saying they they have sound, so we are back online. Thank you, everybody. God bless you for hanging in there. Jeffrey, let's, we can go ahead and start chit-chatting again. Yeah, I can't even remember where I was. <laughs> That's all right. Now, um, so are you working with, let's say, ET and spiritual separately or together? I'm just curious about how how that part works at this well, time. When, so it's, it's okay. I was going to say when I when I communicate with Jesus, it's definitely with Jesus. There's no cross communication between there. Uh, that's the time, I guess. I don't know. And then uh, the ET is totally separate. Um, yeah, it's, it's two it's two different ways. Uh, when ET started coming through, we asked Palladius. Uh, I said, okay, well, we have we have a God, a Creator. Who is your God and Creator? And he came back very definitely said, our our Creator is your Creator. It is all one. So that that was really nice. I like that. <clears throat> and I said, well, I'm Jeff. You're Palladius. I said, so God is God. Now, how did God get His name? Like I looked up my name. That was funny, you know. And I looked up my name recently, and and one of them is uh, uh, God's love and God's consciousness, or something like that, for my two first names of mine. But anyway, so I asked him about it, and he said God stands for geometry of design. He's the the, the design, the creator of all design. And uh, it's wow. kind of like Van Gogh, Van Gogh being uh, Van Gogh being uh, an, an artist, and we call him artist instead of Van Gogh. So like I said, we call God by his description instead of his actual identity. <clears throat> that's interesting. Well, that's very interesting. And, you know, naturally, if there was, and I believe that there is, you know, life is infinite, dimensions and universes, solar systems, whatever, is infinite in, in the universe and beyond. And, of course, if they were intelligent, they would all be aware of the creator as we are. And I tend to think that maybe it's not some wise old person sitting in a film with a white beard, that maybe it's a, like a major consciousness that has done all this. Is that how you feel as well? Because I feel we're all connected together. Yeah, you know, it's like I said to you before, all my near death is that, is that when I was out of my body, all all conscious thought uh, is understood in one split second. I mean, from each individual soul. Uh, so it's and 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 when I was out of my body, I mean, it's like I tell people, you know, you know, they say, do you believe in in UFOs and ETs? And they say, yeah. And they say, well, why would you believe that? And I said, well, you know, you're asking me, do I believe some, that someone could travel through space in a vehicle? Of course. Now, why would that be outlandish when I know from my own experience that that when our human body expires we don't like line up somewhere in a different form and get onto a shuttle and go back to planet whatever 
I mean, we are there instantly through consciousness, as conscious energy. I mean, we are conscious energy. If you want to compare us to, uh, now I will tell the people that listen to me, my friends out there, that there's extraterrestrials and there's aliens. So aliens are the bad guys. Um, the extraterrestrials, you know, I mean, uh, uh, the ones that are in the ships, especially the aliens, are pretty much soulless. Soul, uh, well, let's say godless. They're very godless. See, I can get... I, the trouble is I have so much inside me is that as I touch on one thing, my head wants to go into five different directions. One thing I want to make known here is that is what I've come to understand. And, and it's the reason that we haven't understood it because the church didn't tell us is that any, 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 any being that's not of the earth is, uh, you know, is extraterrestrial. If they're not terrestrial, then they're extraterrestrial. Even spiritually, we are extraterrestrial because our spirit doesn't stay here. It goes back to our source. <clears throat> so in that, we can technically, if we want to, get away with calling God an ET because he's not here. Uh, he created it, but he's not of the earth, So, uh, except in his design. So if we go another step and say, okay, well, we hear about the greys and the reptilians and all these other different species of, of uh, aliens out there, which are the negatives, is that we know that the Bible touches on truth and kind of gives us a half-truth. So if we go back to where it says in the Bible about, about God's most trusted angel was Satan, and he rebelled. He thought, well, you know, God's doing this. Well, I can do this too. And he tried. There was a big power battle thing going on. And that the battle of the angels, that Satan and his bunch were all cast down uh, to hell. Well, you know, the earth basically is God's creation of beauty so that we can exist on it in that aspect of it. But as we see with the earth is that there's also the hell side of it, the prisons, the murders, the rapes, all this sort of thing. So now what we have to do now is take this into a little wider context and say, so let's define the, the, uh, the dark angels. Well, of course, they were extraterrestrial. So the greys and the lizards are the ones that were cast out. They were the dark angels. They were cast out of God's universe into this galaxy. They pretty much can't leave this galaxy and they're confined to the planet. Now, they always say about, about uh, hell being Hades, sub, subterranean down into the bowels of the earth. Well, of course, we're starting to understand with a lot of things that are coming forward now from even government sources uh, that are speaking out that, that there's a huge tunnel system uh, you know, under, under the earth and, and that there are greys living in there. And uh, I fully believe that. I don't doubt that. So there we get the subterranean, uh, subterranean aspect of of hell, of Hades. Is that's where Satan lives? It's under under the earth, under the ground. So um, you know, this it's it's we have to start broadening our con- our consciousness is awakening, and it's not it's busting out at, out at the seams. It's not accepting what we had. Now we're demanding more. Just like a Wall Street, you know, we found out. The people are there, and they're coming out. Uh, what's really interesting, and I just want to put this in because I don't know if everybody knows, I saw this on a news thing the other day, is that uh, Chase Manhattan and another big company, just days before the big, uh, the big uh, occupation of Wall Street, actually donated millions of dollars to the NYPD folks. Yes, I saw your posting. Yes, and I, the, they, they, I mean, talk about buy yourself a police force. That is so disgusting, but it shows exactly where we are. It's all many focused, and this is the big battle right now. This is where we are saying 
enough of treating us like cattle, uh, enough of all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff, which is not spiritual. So the world, and right. this is all part of the of the of the conscious ascension. This is where we are ascending above our old conscious understanding, which is very limited. And this is where we're now expanding to where we are taking back what's rightfully ours. Uh, you know, uh, like we say, you know, and I've said it a few times, but this is our planet we're taking back. Well, you know, actually, it really it's the grace planet. They were cast down here by God, so they're confined here. But they're also made to live with us and vice versa. So uh, the bottom is theirs and the top is ours. We, we're the folks of the view, and I love it. So what we're saying is that you're not going to rule us from the inner earth anymore. We're going we're to actually pull back the beauty of the planet from the surface with the help of God. Now, when, when I had Jesus with me, uh, when he came to me in 99, he said he will return. The second coming of Christ is real. Uh, he will return when there is enough light. And I said, okay, so define light to me. What do we have to do to bring you this light? And you, David, you'll understand this. Because right now I'm tingling all over. Right. And, I, I, think I have an idea of what you're going to say, but go ahead. Yeah, it's that light. It's that so many souls have turned to the dark, turned to the money, turned to the things. Turn to the stuff. Uh, have I've got a thing in front of me here where, where uh, you know, uh, Steve Jobs died, uh, and and uh, and there's a picture of him with some starving Africans next to him that says there, one dies and a million cry. And next to it says millions die and one cries. We've lost focus of connecting to humanity on a spiritual basis. So instead of instead of rallying to that and bringing that back, we've gone into our little enclaves of quiet talk on computers and hiding around. God, Jesus said, for every soul that comes back to God, I mean, comes back to God as the focus of who they are and their spiritual light shines that light. And every soul that comes back to God sends out this beautiful, beautiful shining light. Now, one is brilliant enough, and imagine millions of them. So what we have to bring back is the balance of yin and yang. But we're taking it to the excess, the other side. Right now, there's an excess of darkness. So every soul that consciously awakens right now adds the light so that get to the point that there's so, so much spiritual brightness coming off this planet, the dark has to, has to get back underground. We basically have to, and you know, that's what they're preparing for. You hear about these deep underground uh, military bases that they've, they've spent trillions on that disappeared. They, they aren't getting there just to kind of get away from, from bad things that happen. They're getting away from us because uh, there's an astronaut that said once that the truth will set you free, for, but first it will piss you off. And that's exactly right. And what's going to happen is they're worried about another French, a global French revolution where so, we, actually, we have the numbers. So they built those bases underground because they're prepared for global anarchy. They build these detention camps out in the desert. They build these rail cars with shackles into them. And they've t- done certain things. You know, it almost reminds me of the world, uh, that movie 2012, where they built those arcs into that movie that just came out. that was really uh, fantastic, where you couldn't get on those arcs unless you had a special ticket. That's right. But you know what they're doing, though? This is the sinister part. They know they're losing control of us. So they're ready to go down underground, yes. seal it off, live there for four years. Now, I'm going to tell you why four years. What they're doing right now is they're, in, they're inciting, and I was showing this in my vision. I want to get this vision out before we're done. 
Jesus just showed me is that they are inciting a nuclear war. And what they want us to do is to have this nuclear war. They'll get underground, stay there for four years. They'll come up. As Jesus showed me, there would be two-thirds less population. Then they could get back to trying to fix things as much as they can and start to control the lesser population. Right now, there's too much population for them to control. So going back to my vision real quick, so I want to make sure this gets out because that's the core of what I do. That Jesus showed me that in 2012, China would send out four nuclear missiles against the United States, Canada, uh, uh, Great Britain, and Australia. Now, what's going to incite that, and it's all set up, is that because the Illuminati work with each other, even to the point of some sacrificing themselves for the good of the greed. So what's going to happen is that right now China is beefing up Pakistan and Iran, and Pakistan are getting a huge military deal off of China, like 50 of this kind of jets, 50 of those kind of jets, all this kind of thing. The initial uh, layout of, of procedure here is supposed to be it's supposed to be that Iran is supposed to launch against Israel. And then at that point, as that trigger is, is, is set in place, is that Pakistan would directly attack India. That would bring in the NATO countries, which I've just named, and then some. So that would happen with the retaliation. Then that would be China's cue then to launch off the four missiles. But what Jesus showed me, what Jesus showed me is that the Star Wars program is in place, and it's actually just been beefed up. The biggest uh, uh, rocket out of Southern California to ever be launched was launched this year. And they, they kind of touted it as a, a super spy satellite. It's not. It's the Star Wars update that, that you wouldn't believe. Uh, that's the U.S. Air Force Subspace Department now. So when these missiles come off, you can bet they watch day and night, 24-7, that they'll be taken off by laser weapons from subspace on the Star Wars stuff. When that happens, the initial backlash of four nuclear weapons going off over Chinese space that are very near to it, because it'll be almost instantaneous, is that the backlash of the nuclear weapons going off in their space will actually wipe out China, most of India. So you're looking at China with 1.7 billion people in 2007. It's probably nearly two now. India has one billion. So right there you have 2.7, probably 3 billion people dead on the first impact right there. Now what happens then? It goes into a four-year, this is what Jesus showed me, a four-year nuclear winter. And, and, and with that first backlash of the weapons, one-third of the population will go. Over the next four years of nuclear winter, another third will perish. Uh, that's from uh, the cold... Uh, the starvation, everything else, because they can't make it right now. So we get into nuclear winters, it definitely will be gone. You're looking at places like Africa, all the second and third world countries will have an absolute die-off. So at the end of that four-year period, we got to 2016, you have two-thirds of the population gone. Because of everything <clears throat> that happens as well in that time, and with the melting and everything else uh, that we have right now from the ice caps and all that water going everything, so we get nuclear winter, we're going to start getting ice caps of things that are going to be forming in strange places because of misplaced water. So we're actually going to be losing one-third of our land mass in that, in that four-year period, too. So at the end of this, this 2016, that's where Jesus stopped us. So I'm thinking, okay, he's going to fill that in later. Now, E.T. have come in, <coughs> and they've said that they can interfere, but they're not supposed to. It's God's plan. It's our lesson, it's our karma, it's the payback. There's always a price for your actions, and this is it. So they can't interfere with that part of it. They'd be interfering with God's plan. 
But at 2016, that they will come down and take the one-third that's left, <coughs> and one-third that's left, and that they will then transport it to what I, I started calling Earth-2. Now, we've just been told by NASA that 50 planets that could support life within a, a, a reasonable distance. My ET contact gave us an alphanumeric uh, designation. My wife and I looked it up on NASA, and uh, NASA, and uh, it's actually on NASA. I mean, this numerical, alphanumerical thing is actually it exists. And it says on NASA that it's the, uh, it, it's the planet, and it's not that far off in consideration of the planet, and that it could support life. This is Earth, too, and it's waiting for that third that will go. Now, this is what we call, the Bible calls, a thousand years of peace. So we get through the Armageddon stuff, we get through a thousand years of peace. So the third, third or just actually less than a third that'll go, will be the ones that, that God has chosen as being the most spiritually ascended, that will make a difference, that can, that can get onto a new planet, get things going, and actually create a thousand years of peace. Now, we had that on this planet. Now, as we know, a thousand years of peace is not a long time in the history of a new world. So the whole thing starts again, is that uh, we start again to do the ascension process, starting with the knowledge we have from the end of this. Uh, And that's why it says that God has many mansions, God has many planets. And it's been going on planet to planet to planet for a long time. Mars, uh, Jupiter, other planets, uh, you know, it, it's just been an ongoing thing. It's God's plan of ascension for our souls. And the reason, the real reason for it all is that even though we are highly advanced beings where, we, where we're from, what we have to understand is you can't really conceive fully who you are unless you have something to compare it to, the yin and the yang. So we come down here and we go to the, the ground level in the mud, uh, uh, qualifying, you know, is where we have to go from total ignorance into total enlightenment. Now, we're at the point right now, there's a lot of souls here that are totally enlightened, and they're ready to take on a new world. So many people I know and you know say, wow, there's another planet, please put me on it, because I'm just tired of fighting all this stuff. And the New Agers, you know, uh, they're putting out the light and the love, and that's wonderful, do that. But uh, I tell you right now, a lot of a lot of the New Agers, I'm going to tell you now, uh, the way I've been showing my Jesus, are putting out that there's going to be this magical ascension from this place to that place. They're not going to need any kind of transportation. The planet's going to drift across the equator of the universe. I'm sorry, I don't even know what the equator of the universe looks like. But what I'm saying is a lot of souls, two-thirds of the souls on this planet, are going to ascension in spirit, back to heaven, just like we do. We all know we're going to die in the physical. It's just we don't know how. A lot of a lot of the souls that are not seeing what I'm seeing in the way of, of from the ET connection of the transportation, uh, and they're saying they're getting this a magical way. They are getting their magical way. It's through the proper ascension of the soul when the body dies. Not everybody's going to this new planet. It's only going to take one third to get it started to work on the repopulation level. Well, whatever happens, the wife and I, we live every moment of every day the best we can. And let's say we're caught up in some catastrophe that kills us. We don't mind because, you know, we've done our best and we're still doing our best. No matter what's coming, we're going to continue to do our best. And if something else positive happens, 
that'd be wonderful too. But you know, whatever it is, as long as we all continue to do our best, I think that's that's the best thing. You know, people say, "Well, why aren't things happening to me?" And I tell them that you know, you can't evolve or spiritually progress unless you experience. It's like the person, you know, that's in the storm. And they say they're stuck in the storm, in the raging storm. And I say, no, you're not. The storm will end, and you'll have peace again. It'll be like spring. It'll be wonderful. And once you make it to the storm, to the spring, you'll look back and appreciate even more what you have now. You know what I mean? I think you have to stay positive. And you're right. The world is changing. People are tired of that. The armies we send over to... You know, Middle East, and they found no weapons of mass destruction. They said, oops, well, let's stay here and, you know, fight the terrorists anyway, or killing each other anyway. That money could be used to take the homeless, you know, for the homeless people here. Uh, the money that you said Chase gave the police force could have used to get, you know, people off the streets. There's lots of things that, you know, could be done to help each other. And when that's not happening, then, of course, people are going to get upset and do something about it. And then all this energy, including the earth changes, that is really building up, that is an accumulation from all the years, is pushing something big. You know, everybody believes something big is coming, just like you you stated. And so I guess that answers the question about 2012 that would be here beyond that. I've always believed that. And lots of people I know said that it's not really the end of the world. It's mainly uh, a time of a new paradigm of, you know, a conscious shift. Just what you mentioned. So I'd have to agree on that. And I want to ask you, is it early in the show to ask you, uh, you're having a couple of books published, and I'm sure that those are going to be really amazing reads because you have a lot of information, you know, to tell us about all your experiences and what's coming up. I I was wondering, are you allowed to tell more information about what's, you know, what you've been told? Yeah, actually, yeah, yeah, David, uh, actually what I've covered tonight, people that follow me along here, they'll they'll know I've barely scratched the surface. Uh, I've done three-hour shows that they've asked me to go on and do a four-hour show and then come back and do another three-hour, and it's pretty hard. You know, Uh that's the total seven hours. And uh, and uh, I very rarely on the second show I don't even touch anything on the first, so it's not a lot of repeating. Uh, I know I just finished in one point here. I I had uh, five interviews in seven days for a total of twelve hours, and it was pretty much all up to date new stuff. I, I do get new stuff as I go along. Uh, what I like to tell people right now though is, and, and you touched on it, and it's really important. I'm saying, you know, that we're looking at 2018. They say, well, why should I bother anymore? Why, why bother having a hope of doing? And I say, you know what? We know that the body is going to die. You know, we know the body is going to finish here uh, and stay with the earth and the spirit goes on. So if you want to say, well, what six worth, years worth is probably more important than, than the other 40 or 50 or 60 you've already done. Um, and, we don't take the attitude that when we're old enough to understand about death, say at the age of 13 or 15 properly, is that we don't say, well, at 15, well, you know, I mean, why should I even bother trying in life? Because I could die in a car accident when I'm 18. That's not how you think. 
while you're here, you're right. working. Look, yes. Yeah. Like you mentioned as well, you know, about the storm, and I understand that you come through the storm, you learn to go on. But what I have to, I have to say, I have to say here, and I'm not being negative, is that I said it with people that were church related, uh, is that they always say God never gives you anything more than you can handle. Well, I'm sorry, it does happen sometimes. That's why we have suicides. Uh, sometimes it is too much for people. Uh, when we come here to this earth, <laughs> we go through our plan, and we're allowed to, you know, they suggest what we could take on. And if we want to take on more, they will caution us about that, but it's also they'll allow it because it's also learning in that too. And sometimes uh, a soul will come here taking on more and more than they really thought they could, and they succumb to that. So uh, we don't always come through the storm uh, at ground level, but we come through it at one side or the other. Uh, <clears throat> It's a very important time right now. Um, you know, I can't stress it too much, but a lot of people, there's a lot of groups out there that are doing the ascension thing. That's all they've got in their heads. It's like they're rushing to the gates and they want to be the first one through to get the best seat. But you know what? You'd be lucky. You'd probably end up with standing room only when you get there because God's going to say, what did you do in the last six years besides wait and dream about it? This That's right, right after your last breath. Right up to your last right. breath is a creative moment. And if you're not creating on the ground, nothing is going to change for you spiritually. So all the, uh, and, and I love, I love, we have to put the love and the light out there. But, but anchor down and work with us too. You know, I always thought when this started, David, uh, you know, I, it's, I always believed that the churches were going to be my biggest problem. I honestly did. But you know what? Actually, the people that, I would say there's 20% left and 20% right, New Agers and, and, and heavy church, and the 60% in the middle that believe in God and Jesus, and they're just trying to find something that's not extreme one way or the other, and something that isn't just all all happy bliss, 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 because we're, we're smarter than that, and we're becoming smarter. It's that we have to get to a place where we're still working at this level. We have to make the changes right up to the end. So, you know, if you're up there in the clouds, just try and come down a bit because we have to work. It's not about Jeff Walter's ascension or David Baker's ascension or Johnny Price's ascension. It's about the ascension of humanity. And we can call it conscious ascension, but let's go to something simple. It's called human, human evolution, the evolution of mankind. That means that the whole herd goes together. You know, some will get there and some will be eaten by crocodiles on the way and some will fall by the way because they're too weak to get there. And that's understandable. There's no judgments made because everybody makes their own, their own decisions on the, on the journey. But you can guarantee it's, it's a mass exodus. However you're going there, we're going there, but we're going there all together, even the crooks, the criminals, the rapists, the murderers, everything. Now, a lot of New Agers, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll talk about the love and the bliss and how it will turn everything around. I'm sorry, but I worked for seven years in the prison system, and I can tell you just from reality is that rapists are still going to be rapists, and murderers are still going to kill, and the, and the foxes are still going to be there ripping off people from their life savings. Because that, we have to understand not every soul here mingling with us is of God consciousness. We have to remember that we're mingling with the devil down here. And there are souls that are subterranean. Satan's souls are here in form just like we're here in form. 
And unless you get that, you're, you're going to be a victim for a long time. That's I true. agree with that. And we have, we have something, other things in common. It's funny how common people come together with one connection or another. You stated that your father's from England, my mother's from England. You stated that you worked in a prison system for so many years, and I have too. That's another coincidence there. And I, that, that gives you a good balance. You know, you've seen the dark side, you've seen the light side, and I think that gives you an understanding of and a good feel and a good balance, you know, to grasp what you're speaking about even much better. That makes a lot of sense now. Well, it, well, it does in a lot of ways. I, I, I complained for a lot, a long time about my life. I, I was one of the life's best qualified whiners, and my wife would say I probably still am in a lot of ways. But <laughs> uh, things that I've had happen in my life, and I just started talking about recently, is that in, after that '99 uh, visitation, I went through a divorce from a 28-year marriage. Uh, you know, within within a few months, I was down the highway from my home living in a tent in the campground. Uh, I went out there with my with my briefcase and my, uh, not brief, with my laptop and my backpack. And I was out there for four years before I met my wife now, Angie, in California here. And she's a, a really spiritual, very evolved being. She's got, I look like a child next to her. She's just quiet about it. But, you know, I went out there and I came from, as you say, you know, I mean, I went from the jail job with the power and all that which is horrendous. Then I went into a, a thing on the Alaska Highway where I was a highway patrol for motor vehicles. And, you know, I did my own court cases. But, you know, I, I was getting the flights and the perks and all this stuff. And then uh, here I am now, after Jesus comes to me, my whole reality has changed. I'm out there living in a tent. For four years, I traveled and lectured. <coughs> and And I went out there. With, with no money, I had no income. I didn't. I didn't have my own key to my own door for four years. I slept under bridges at times. Sometimes I just wandered. I'd go to London, but I'd do my lecture. But you know, if it didn't turn out really great financially, you know, I'd have uh, room for a few nights, and then I'd ride the buses all night. Uh, my wife, my wife Angie, since we got married, we've had hardships even since, and even just recently, some people will know. Uh, we slept one winter in Mount Johnson in a little car, a little four-door Japanese car, all winter with blankets on us, surrounded by snow with Mount Johnson in front of us because we didn't have the money for a home. She was doing her job, but it was slow, so we could never get the money together with a down payment for a place. We'd get up in the morning very early. Uh, we'd shake the, shake the dirt off us and everything else. We'd go down to McDonald's. And we'd, we'd buy breakfast between us for $1.25. We had to decide what we were going to have that morning. We shared it. Then we'd go in the bathroom and get cleaned up. We were homeless. You know, that's we, another common thing. I didn't mean to, to get into it, but briefly, back in the 70s, you know, I published a book and I told my story that after I got out of the military, things went downhill and I ended up with, I lost everything. I stepped in the park, I ate out of trash cans, stepped on stairs. I went through that, and then eventually I, I got out of that too. Plus, I also worked in law enforcement. And now, like you, I have a wife that's an angel. Obviously, she's uh, your supporter. She cares about you quite a bit, and I can even feel that she is really perfect for you. 
Don't you agree? I mean, you've been through a lot, a lot more than I have. Yeah, well, you know, she's probably, I don't know any other person that could actually take take me on the way she has. And I, I know it's trying at times, but we also see the light at the end of the tunnel. <laughs> My frustration right now is, you know, I've been on radio a lot lately, and, uh, you know, I didn't come out with this until April this year, and it was with, uh, with uh, Camelot. And I did and that on there, and I think I had a few hundred people listening. Well, just recently, one of uh, one of my interviews, I actually checked it after we went from 3,000 listeners up to 4,000 listeners, up to 6,400 listeners, and then I found out recently one of one of them that we did, they had 500,000 downloads in in, in uh, a week. That's a half yeah. a million people downloaded that that interview. So it's getting out there, but. Um, I, I couldn't reach this many people as I do online here uh, worldwide. But uh, just, you know, I want to flip back because there's one thing I did leave out on that vision of Jesus, and that's really important, is that the only thing that can stop the nuclear catastrophe next year from happening, the only thing, are the Chinese people. They have to rise up and change their government. You know, they, they did that to an awful lot of dead people. They're a wicked regime over there. Uh, I've been trying to get some kind of radio exposure in Taiwan and other places just to try and get the message out. So if there's anybody who's uh, of Asian descent here that, that can get the word out, word of mouth, uh, you know, over to there, just start putting it out there because the Chinese people are the only ones that can stop this nuclear catastrophe. And believe me, if it goes, if it does happen, China will not exist anymore, nor will India. So there's a real big push to get this out there because they're building to it. China's already just launched a new... Uh, well, actually, they're only uh, uh, aircraft carrier. There's hideous things that are being used that can make it even harder on everybody, and they do that now with the harp, harp equipment and and the and the the blue beam, you know, which is which is basically putting false images in the air to make it look like we're being invaded. Now, the world has been told. My Iki contact told me that they've contacted the world governments and said you must do disclosure. And if they don't, they've told them that there's going to be mass fly-throughs of of ET uh, of UFOs next year, so that to the point that we will we can't deny it anymore. I mean, like anywhere from six uh, six ships to even a few hundred ships will come through the atmosphere through the skies and leave again. So that is, is very evident. Now, what's interesting? We were told that, and then recently after that, uh, the governments come out and they're starting to pump the fear factor, saying, "Well, you know, you know, uh, uh, alien invasion and it's imminent and all this." They're trying to make us afraid that when we see like 50 or 100 ships come through that we're being invaded. We're not. This is their response, <clears throat> not wanting to let go because they're going to go underground anyway. They're playing it out to the end. So, um, you, you know, it's, it's, it's all playing out. Everything I've been shown is playing out. And now there's a lot of saber rattling between Pakistan and India again. And, and uh, even with Israel, I follow it and I, I pick up for aggravations going on between and, and it's, it's all all the pawns are moving so we really need to try and get the Chinese people to make a difference here or it's going to be pretty harsh now even if they make a difference it's still very likely going to be a third world war but at least it won't be nuclear oh that's that's there would be a different outcome then yeah I agree you know I used to joke that during World War one the Japanese you know tried to take over the world or a big portion of it and during World War II they failed so after that there was like an electronics 
revolution in Japan. And I, so I said, now they're trying to take over the world with all these electronic products and cars and everything. But it looks like, no, everything you look at now seems to be made in China and where's the made in the USA stuff? And I just saw something on the internet about reading barcodes to tell where it came from because they stopped putting made in China on the products because people won't buy it. So somebody showed us that if you read, you know, 26 and above on the beginning of the barcode that it's from there. If it's from zero zero to zero six, it's from here, something like that. But they're buying gold, they're buying silver, they're buying currency, they're buying our bonds, they're they're building huge giant dams and cities, relocating people. They're building uh technology. I mean, they're going through a major, major change over there. And, you know, you think they'd have enough to worry with such a huge population and land mass in the first place to without worrying about, you know, the rest of the world. But, you know, any superpower, uh, if they have something that somebody else wants, there's always a reason for them to build up a defense. And who knows what they have in mind. Maybe they're going to try and pull a, a Genghis Kong, you know what I mean, and take over the world. Or something, but we don't know. Let's hope we can prevent it. Well, you know, it all goes back to even a bigger, a bigger monster here. We all heard about the Illuminati, uh, you know, all these secret societies and stuff. Oh yeah. Is that is that there's stuff going on there? You know, like really, honestly, if you've got money, you need to put it into stuff. And when I when I say stuff, I don't mean like a Cadillac or whatever. Need to if you can actually afford to buy some land, buy some land. You can buy yourself some power generators, buy power generators, uh, you know, the portable ones. Uh, if you've got freezers full of food and the power goes out, you've lost all your food. Uh, you need yeah, to start thinking right. about survival things. Yeah? Everybody well, should have that. Like, you know, first aid supplies, lots of water, lots of canned, dried, dehydrated foods, uh, little camping stoves, the generators you suggested, all that, you know, last them for a while, even some cash. Uh, small denominations, even some gold or silver if they can, perhaps in small denominations in case there's a barter going on for any type of major emergency. That's just common sense, especially the way, you know, the world is going now. You should have something. So that does make a great deal of sense, Jeff, you know, for sure. Short of building a bomb shelter in the backyard, which I doubt I'm going to do anytime soon, but that makes a great deal of common sense. And what else can you do besides prepare and live your life to the fullest? And if something happens, like you said, we're born and it's inevitable that one day we're going to go one way or another. Somehow, death is never pleasant from our perspective. But you know, what? And you've been out of body before. You know that once you're out of your body during your near-death experience, you don't feel any pain. Everything feels like it's connected. It feels wonderful. You feel love. So. We don't have anything bad to look forward to if something does happen to us. But if something is coming, don't give up. Stop living life. Live it even more. Just like on the movie Armageddon when when those guys uh, spent money on everything he could because he didn't think he was coming back. It was funny. But you don't have to go to that extreme. Just, you know, live your normal life and do the best you can. You've only to gain from it. And I believe that some of that contributes to good health as well is by staying positive as much as you can. And like you said, there's 
know, we can't exist without uh, uh, yin and the yang. It's just not possible. Nothing would be here because, you know, putting everything together, light and dark, night and day, good and bad, it's just natural process of creation, not done to, you know, hurt or condemn anybody, but I believe that, you know, that's how things operate, and they can't operate without that. And maybe some people believe that, you know, the universe doesn't care about good or bad or whatever, but when you incarnate into a body and you you become an individual energetic soul, and once you receive, uh, you have an intelligence. You're now intelligent, you're now in the body, and now you can tell what you would perceive to be good and what you would perceive to be bad and strive to go for the better option, which is good. Do you agree with that, Jeff? Yes, yeah, so, as I said in the very beginning, is uh, always always aspire to towards your higher self and everything you do in the day. And you know what? The little things that you still can do in, in the the evolution of mankind right now for the next six or eight years, whatever it's going to be, it's, it's, it all makes a difference. It all makes a difference. Uh, you know, it's not, I've had people say, well, I'm, I'm nobody, I'm nothing. I said, no, when you're born, when you you take your first breath and cry, your first cry, the universe is totally different. It's never, ever changed. For every new life that's gone in, a new life that, an older life that goes out. It's a constant flux of energy going on. I've had people say to me, you know, uh, well, I'm preparing this and this, but I'm really afraid. And I said, well, if you're afraid, then you're not anchored to God. You're not anchored to your spiritual self. And if you're afraid of what's coming, <clears throat> that's going to inhibit you. If you connect to your spiritual self, your connection to God, Jesus, all of that, then as you said, David, is that you have nothing to fear. So, you know, we have to still do the physical work and the spiritual work. And that's what I'm saying. Don't just stay in your spiritual self. Because while you're floating around in space, you're not doing anybody any help here except that we know you're up there feeling good. It's kind of like an ostrich with its head in the sand. Um, there's some interesting things I've been I've been picking up lately, you know, because I'm always learning like everybody. You know, I have what Jesus gave me, but I try and expand on that on, on my working level at the, at, on the ground here, too. Is that places like Area 51 here, and I recently learned in Australia, is there's one that they're called Pine Gap. And some of the things that people have seen there are unbelievable, where like ships will actually come over uh, one of the domes and there'll be like a, a blue energy like that will go down to the ground. They actually see something moving through the line. It's probably like uh, beings going back and forth. I also have been able to do remote viewing for a long time. And uh, I found myself uh, one evening uh, half asleep and I, I took myself to Nassau and I was you know, up the fire escape, into the door, down the corridors. I went into this room, and uh, I, I saw something like a, a white male on the table, and he was strapped down, and there was a doctor and a kind of a nurse there in white uh, doing something with him, and I went to go closer, and all of a sudden, I, I it's like this being leaned around in front of me looked right in my face from inches away. It was kind of like what we the show grays look like. And here's this, this alien looking in my face, knowing consciously I'm there. So there's a lot that's going on. But the thing is that we don't have to learn the stuff that I'm talking about. You are the stuff. Everything that, that we want to learn to do, we just have to remember we know how to do. 
That's the whole key to the ascension. Don't run around looking for people to tell you how to do it. Start doing your work within yourself, connect to God, and start asking for that. You know, when all this started for me in 99, my kids, uh, my kids bought me a, a deck of cards, and I was playing with them and practicing, and I was kind of 50-50. One night I sat out by the ocean, and I said, okay, God, if you want me to serve you somehow through these cards, then I need to be 100% accurate. <laughs> not 99, not not 70, but 100, because what whatever's inaccurate is going to mess somebody up somewhere. The very That's when I had, had the visitation the very next day. So, I mean, like, that's I asked for it, and it was given to me, but it was given to me as mass, totally in mass. I could read people's minds the next day as stories to the point that I could hear them, and I would go shopping with my wife and read labels so I wouldn't have to hear the voices. I mean, it was that instant, overnight. So, I'm not saying you're going to get exactly that. That's what was given to me. But what you need to do is that you need to connect not just to yourself, but to your source. God is your source. Then remember, I'm not a religious person here. Boy, am I not a church person. You don't have to believe in that. And I, I, I know I, I see what you're talking about and point well taken. I yeah. totally agree. Like we, we want the information, but we're not going to the teacher. We're listening, we're listening to students have learned off different teachers. I mean, some of the stuff you learn off other people, you don't know if they went to God for that. The only way that you know your source is to go to God. Um, and I tell people, listen to what I've got to say. And if it resonates, take it and use it. Don't follow me like a guru because I'm not. And I'm sure not a prophet. I haven't lived the perfect life for a prophet. But I'll tell you this right now. What I what is my truth is my truth because when you've had a visitation from Jesus, that's all you need. You'll never ever question that. So what I'm saying is, if some of it resonates, use it. But go and look elsewhere. You you have to explore everything that's out there and make the to make the best decision that you need to make at this time. I totally agree. I agree. That's, yeah, that's I agree with common that. sense. Yes, and no, I. I I don't knock, I don't knock anybody's belief system or religion or anything like that. But one time, these two people were debating and about religion and all, and have to go to church. And the other guy said, "Well, you can't go, you know, find God in the building, or just because somebody goes down on one knee, they have special access, or because they wear robes or vestments or believe in creed and dogma that they're going to be the chosen ones." I believe that you know. There is many religions, which is the right one, orbs not. I believe even, you know, atheists, we all have access, you know, to God, to Jesus, if we choose to go that way. And um, no matter what we've done, I believe we have a God that wants the best for us. At least that's what I believe. Exactly. I mean, I mean God's got a plan here. That's a learning plan. I mean, he put it all together. So the thing is that he doesn't want it to fail. He wants it to work, right? <coughs> so, yeah. So, I mean, he he wants us. You know, I went through the stage. I'm sure we all did when I was sleeping out in the street and I was an out, thanks, God, what did I do to you kind of thing. But you know what? It's what I was saying earlier. I mean, I even stood in a food line. And I stood there and I thought, wow, a few years ago, I was representing my own court cases in court. And here I am now. Stand next to all these homeless people. Why? Because I'm homeless. 
and I'd have to stand there and drop and go to total humility and accept food because I had none. Well, Jeffrey, you know what, what gave you the drive to do all that? How, how, I'm just impressed that you had to drive. What? How did you do? How were you able to not give up and just keep going? Jesus. Amen. There you go. He came to me, and you know what? How could I not do it? I mean, this was this was real. This was in the middle of my day, sitting at my computer. My body was filled with energy that was so pulsing, it was I, it froze me, and I felt it rise in me like a level. And uh, then all of a sudden, I just felt like I was full of liquid gold, liquid energy. Then all of a sudden, I was filled with this, flooded with this love that is immeasurable, immeasurable. And then I had a vision, upper half of the vision of Jesus in front of me in the middle of the day. And he smiled, blue eyes, kind of like sandy, sandy brown hair. I wish I could sketch because he's not one of these Italian hunks. He's a very warm, loving guy. And he smiled. So it tells me he has a sense of humor. And he said to me, I've come to awaken you to what you chose to come back and do. Right then I knew it was the same being I was with when I drowned. Then he went into all of this, all this vision. I mean, and you know what was really important at the end, kind of like Moses on the mountain with the tablets, one that was burned into me as the last message. He said, do not convert, do not convince. Make the spark, the work, the work is theirs. So when I speak, I'm giving you what I was given. I've given you the information, and that's why I say, listen to it, use it, don't use it, go travel, check it all out, come back. That's their work. All I'm doing is lighting the spark. Of a, of a message given to me by Jesus. And when that you have a, a, a meeting like that, and I've had three now with the last two, I'm, I'm so blessed I can't believe it in that Jesus would even sanction me worthy of coming to me um, and to give me this message at these times. So um, that's what kept me going through it all. I've, I've, I've gone through it, and we're still going through it. You know, we, we still have hardships like everybody else. Uh, you know, it's, we do everything we can to help ourselves. We grew a garden this year. We just finished putting it up, you know, and we canned a lot so we don't freeze too much in case we lose the power and, 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 and lose your, your, your freezing stuff. But, I mean, you know, we're doing the, the same survival thing as everybody else, but at the same time, I'm trying to get out there and do it. Now, I can reach a lot more people here online, but my real push is I need to get out there and start speaking publicly. So I've been asking for donations, and we've had a few, but, you know, it's, it's not enough to get me out there, but thank God for the people that are sending it. Well, Jeffrey, where, where could they, uh, how could they get them to you if somebody wishes to donate? Uh, if they want to donate, they can just, you know, I, and I say people, I'm not saying I want 10 or 20 or $30. Whatever you can spare, even if it's $1. I was saying to my wife recently, when I had those 500,000 downloads, they would have had a dollar off each person. I mean, I would never have had to have gone to anybody ever again, and I could have even done more good with it. So I'm not saying I need this much or that much. Whatever you can spare, you spare. But if they can want to donate, that's fine. You can send it to my name, Jeffrey Faulkner, uh, and then put it to uh, P.O. Box 369, Etna, E-T-N-A, California, 96027. And I, I thank anybody for anything they can send. And as I say, I can reach a lot of people, and I do, online. And that's a blessing because I couldn't reach that many in person. But I fully believe I need to get – I've been asked, David, to speak in 12 different countries. <laughs> I was, uh, But I can't afford to go yet. 
this last spring, I, I submitted a paper to the Consciousness Standing for Consciousness uh, that's done by the University of Arizona. They do it one year in Arizona, and then every second year is in a different country. They did it in Stockholm, Sweden, and I put my paper in, and they invited me to go and speak, but I couldn't afford to go. So that's God's will. But, uh, you know, now, now uh, some friends are checking into the American University in Heidelberg, Germany, to see about me speaking there. But it's all going to take money for me to go to these places. The reason I want to go out there and speak as well, and it puts me at a lot more risk, I'm out in front of people, radicals or non-radicals, is that I believe that a voice on here is a voice on here. I want people to see me speak and know that there's a real person, I mean an individual behind the words that are coming through these airwaves. They need to know that I'm not just somebody here hiding behind some fictitious name uh, that's spouting all this stuff off. I, I'm brave enough in my belief in God and Jesus to go out there and stand if necessary at risk in front of crowds because that's where I'm needed. You certainly are. You know, if you're not somewhere speaking, how are people going to know? I mean, there's other ways, but that's the best way. And I know that when you speak, you draw large masses of people, and word of mouth very powerful. When you're speaking before a bigger group, it'll perpetuate to something positive. And that is a disadvantage there. I know the Internet is good, but there's nothing like talking for a live before a live audience and other countries too you know we need to go to australia germany many different places you know philippines probably be very receptive to you a lot of places and um we wish you luck on that if anybody wants to contact or check out jeffrey's uh website it's it's a blog website starting with the HTTP business, and it's A-N-G-E-L-I-C, angelic, it's all one word, guidance, G-U-I-D-A-N-C-E, so it's angelicguidance.tripod.com forward slash Jeffrey. Make sure you check out his website. It's posted on the radio show here and on my website as well. And you can also make a connection with Jeffrey Faulkner on Facebook. Please be sure you do. And he has contact information posted there as well. We're getting near the end of the show, Jeffrey. Is there anything that you'd like to tell me, tell us before we come near the end of the show? You know, I think, and I've said this before in different shows, David, is that, you know, in leaving people with a final thought, I want that thought to be with you. I want with you, the people out there, I want you to start to do your work. I want you to start in your own space, in your own home, wherever you're comfortable. I want you to start speaking to God because until you start to connect to your source, you're going to be adrift here because, you know, no man, the man is nothing without without God. I mean... I never thought I'd be talking like this because uh, I've never, I've been so soured on religion all of my life and, and the heavy duty stuff that I, I didn't want to go near it because I, it repelled me in a lot of ways. But you have to connect to God. It's like, you know, I said earlier is about talking to people out there. When I was nine years old, I would sit at home and mom would be working around the house and I'd, I'd watch Billy Graham. 
But Billy Graham to me was the classic guy. He was the, the oh, classic. I love him. Yeah, he's I mean, great. he's amazing, fantastic man. He never got into scandal, never got into this stuff. And he was such a straight talker. And I watched him one time. He said, "How many people in this football stadium are dying?" And there'd be two or three here. He said, "No, you're all dying. Start living your life today as if tomorrow's your last day, because it may be. These people have just been even noticed that they are." And I said to mom, I said, you know, see what this man's saying? And she said, yeah. I said, well, I'm one day I'm going to stand on a stage and I'm going to talk to a football stadium full of people, just like he is. And she looked at me, shake her head, and said, I don't know where you get your stuff from, <clears throat> but I know that's coming. And I know, and I've had people on here that come in to give me prophetic messages and divine messages. And they come on, they say that you will. You know, one guy came on, he said, you know, now you're going to be talking on, on the radio to, you know, a thousand people, but it's going to triple. The next time I went on, it tripled. Then and the same fellow comes on, he says, be prepared. You're going to be in a stadium. And you're going to be speaking to hundreds of thousands and millions of people around the world. And I know that that's coming because I don't know how Jesus would put me up to anything less knowing who I am. So, you know, and I know it's his timing. I've had that lesson lately. It's all God's timing. I just wish he'd speed it up a little bit for me, but... One, the point is, is to connect to your God. That's what's really, not even connected to me. Connect to God. I'm only speaking Jesus' words and his message. I have nothing to do with the divine part, except as a messenger. So connect to God within yourself. That's what's going to get you through here. And if you're not in that dirt that's going over, you're going home. So you've got nothing to worry about. That's right. No, I have... <clears throat> excuse me. As a medium, I've done thousands of readings, and I've never gotten anybody that's actually crossed over in the light. Anything uh, negative from them, none of them were miserable, and a lot of them were not perfect human beings, but they said they were accepted up there, and there's nothing but love, compassion, and support. And it's like you said that, you know, you know you have a, a knowing, a great knowing that we don't have here in this body because we're kind of blocked. Because, you know, the spirit is big, we're in the material, and you put the spirit into a small container and the container gets distorted and is blocked. So when you die and you go back, you realize everything, like you said earlier. And uh, I've realized that, you know, they don't really worry too much about their life that they did here because it's complete. Now they're carrying on with the life over there and they're always, even over there, striving to spiritually progress and evolve on that side as well, while still, of course, supporting the loved ones that are here. You know, the connection's never broken, but yeah, I totally agree with that. You know, the connection is to the Creator, you know, to God, and you know, I talk to God, pray to God every day myself, and you know, yeah, I think that makes a big difference in my life. And I try to give back whenever I can because I, when I get lessons, I believe I should try to give back too as well. But I'm going to, I'm starting something new, Jeffrey, and that's some, uh, I'm testing it. Some of the radio shows, I'm filming portions of it with a nice slideshow and putting them on YouTube. And since our show was, you know, disrupted tonight and got off to a funny start, I'm going to try to, um, you know, video some portions of it and put it up on YouTube so we could have something additional beside the show 
that's smooth, you know, to look at and listen to at the same time. And I'll send it send it to you when I get it done. Yeah, that'd be great. Also, as you know, might be mentioning too is that after that five hundred thousand uh, downloads we had, is that I've been approached to uh, actually do my own show. So I'm going to uh, be having that coming up probably the next probably two to three weeks. I'm going to be doing one every two weeks uh, bi-monthly. So, that would uh, be wonderful. Please let yeah, us know. Yeah, that people can find me in one place. You know, and I still want to do shows like this. I still want to do shows. I, I love your show. I knew it was going to be a good experience. I love you and your wife. The, the energy is beautiful. There's about three other shows, two or three other shows that I'll, I'll, I'll make sure I still get out to uh, to keep it going everywhere. But uh, you have a, a really great format here, and I'm telling everybody out there, you know, if you're new-time listeners to uh, David's uh, uh, Beyond the Gate, please come back to him because uh, he, he has beautiful energy and it's good to connect to that in these times. Thank you very oh, much. Thank we, you. We stay open-minded. We support our guests and listeners. We don't judge. We back them up on whatever they have to say. We want a fantastic show. And... No, such is life. I believe just the way you do, Jeffrey. That's a, you know, stay positive and keep on going. So, you know, David, if I can interject for a second, I have sure. to share this. You know these, uh, you know these. Did you see that? You know these uh, little cheap pins that have the snap-on caps. You know. Yes. And then, if, and if you try and roll it, you can't because it just hits that little protrusion for the the pocket clip. Yes. This just rolled totally across, four, five times rolled over across my writing pad here, all by itself. That's right. It was a medium. You should know that. Well, that's just spirit. <laughs> that's a confirmation. That's right. <laughs> yeah, and I heard a sound in my, the same, member when we were cut off the air and I heard a voice, well, yeah. just a couple, probably about the same time that happened or a little bit sooner, I heard a sound in my left earphone again <laughs> but this time it was not a voice it was a sound that's really odd but you know spirit at work there's a proof it wasn't an earthquake or anything it's something that actually happened thank you for sharing that with us uh jeffrey especially it happened or it occurred during the time that we're on the show here thank you so much for coming god bless you and your wife as well and we love your work we support you and Keep us up to date. We will be watching. Thank you, and I love being here. And just one reminder, you can send me a dollar. I'll put it to good use. God bless you all. Thank, Thank you, you so much, Jeffrey. Thank you. Remember, everyone, uh, don't forget to, um, if you're listening, don't forget to donate to Jeffrey. Um, P.O. Box 369, Edna, California, 96027. Um, if you uh, don't can't donate, send him a note um, or check out his website as well. Thank you, everybody. All our faithful listeners that have stayed with us through the program disruption, which you stayed with us when we came back. We really appreciate that. Our faithful listeners, if you like the show, please click follow on the button and you can find Jeffrey Faulkner on Facebook, he's there frequently, and watch all his very interesting and enlightening uh, postings that he has constantly, and check out his website, which is uh, no www in front of it, it's just http double dot double forward slash angel guidance, 
dot tripod dot com forward slash Jeffrey and it's uh posted on Facebook on the radio page here on my website. Thank you all for listening to this Monday, October tenth, two thousand eleven edition of Beyond the Gate Radio. God bless you all and I'll see you for those of you that can listen tomorrow for a special makeup show tomorrow. And good night, everybody. Good night, Sherelle. Good night, David. Great show. Love you. I love you, too.